there's uh, pl- plenty of those bands that are just like, you know, that we're cool with that have just been like, yeah, we're not bringing you guys on a tour because we just don't want that tension, that tension that comes with it. And, and I understand, like, it was never like a, like, I'm not mad at you for not wanting an uncomfortable tension, like at your show. Welcome back to Labeled. I'm your host, Matt Carter, and today's conversation is with Ryan Latrue from For Today. For Today's a particularly interesting band to me because they're one of the most outspoken Christian bands ever, but instead of trying to carefully walk that line between Christian and secular, they just went hard musically and lyrically, and they were still able to penetrate deeply into the secular market and be successful in all kinds of opportunities like Warp Tour and stuff like that. They were able to achieve longevity, earn a living, and create brutal music that's still popular and relevant. So I was quite curious about the role that Ryan played in the band as a business guy, a leader, writer, producer, and just all-around problem solver. I think those are fascinating people. And I think this conversation gives a great look into all that, and I'm sure you'll like it. If you're new, join the Labeled Facebook group and make some suggestions about some conversations you'd like to hear. All right, let's do it. Today, I think we're going to make everyone happy, is my guess. But let's start really just broad with a, with just a basic question. But I want you to just take it as deep as you want, um, so that we can find our way in. But to you, what is the purpose of music? That's a that's a big I question. You I, could, I would you could say, go shallow or deep, but just no, take a second. I would say, like in. in a nutshell, it would be self-expression. It would be uh, you know finding ways to say things that you want to say whether directly or indirectly uh whether musically or with words um to either an emotion to you want to evoke or a uh a, an image you want to um create aesthetically um but uh it's it's just a, a another way of creative expression that um you know can is a very visceral way to connect emotionally with art Excellent. And if you do that and you do that well and authentically, um, what is what is that? Uh, that's on the end of the expressing person. What is the part of music that as far as what it does externally into other people for it? Or is that part of it or an important? Yeah, part? Um, I mean, I think it's important uh, to convey something that is real and honest and sincere to where you're at when when you're creating and the the hope is that if you do something authentic someone else, that will resonate with someone else um you know everyone's experiences are different but there's there's these universal underlying truths that we all experience as, as part of the human experience that uh i think when something hits you the right way you can like connect to someone you don't know uh through your emotions and your uh 
your your lived experience and how it somehow maybe lines up with theirs. So um, while I don't think it's good to create music for those moments, I think those moments happen when you create from the right place. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so more specifically, hardcore music, heavy music, heavy music, and even more specifically, hardcore music um, is this even more specific, narrow thing with its own values and principles. What what is that? What is unique and special about that to you? Well, I think for most people, it starts off from like a place of angst. And uh, um, it, it's it's historically been very subculture oriented. So it's a lot of people who feel as if they don't belong. Uh, so there's kind of like a, a an interesting Molotov cocktail of people feeling dejected from the norm and also feeling a place to of acceptance um, and a place to express their angst uh, openly. So there's a lot of kind of rebellion involved with it and things like that um but uh you know i think it's a really interesting like cross-section of youth and angst and anger and frustration and creativity and acceptance and belonging it's like this weird cross-section between these two things and i think that's why it's so special to people is because it's like something to hold on to in a time when you feel like you don't have anything else to hold on to that that's awesome um there's a mix of of things in there like the angst and the stuff, but also a lot of, you know, things that you might say are negative or dark, but very positive, like a very positive application of those uh, and place for those things. Um, And is hard, is there like a place of principle for you where hardcore is different than the rest of, let's say the, the scene or the music scene or heavy music? Um, well, I think it's all, everything changes, right? Like there's waves of stuff. I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen a bunch of waves of like, there's the positive movement coming in and there's the negative one that comes back in. And one one thing I think that is kind of has always been consistent with like the subculture movement generally um, is that uh, it's okay to explore things that are maybe uh, faux pas for the rest of, uh, of, mainstream music certainly but uh, also just like popular culture like it hasn't been until recently that like being depressed or being frustrated and angry have been things that people talked about openly uh, and honestly because there's like been this weird tension and that's kind of being angry um though it isn't always help helpful (laughs) um it's it's good that that has always been a a, an available lane within the subculture to just express dissatisfaction openly and loudly yes and and that's cool because i don't think that that exists in a lot of spheres where people just kind of have to take their medicine and smile and and get through the day you know so i think it's, it's it's nice to have a have have an outlet even if it is seemingly negative it's i think it's positive to express negativity uh so that you don't express it uh so you don't implode basically yeah because the anger is there it's not like we don't have it if you ever work with kids or have kids or anything it's like you can see a three-year-old a four-year-old they anger is a absolute present thing with them and mm-hmm. so then they get into these systems where it's like okay make sure you just put a lid on that or don't express it Mm-hmm. And that that just doesn't make any sense, you know, if you can't find a yeah. positive way to express it. And it's not even, I mean, it's a negative emotion in a sense, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Sure. You know, so it's, it's to, to me, I think that's exactly, uh, I think it seems like it's a really e- even important function. And I feel really 
great that the music scene is something that can can do that and that people these days or in the last couple of decades have had that ability to do that and tulsa seems like a place where i mean i love tulsa it's awesome the fans are great tons of bands there um what was that is that did you get like how did you get into finding that outlet and that scene specifically in the tulsa place yeah. So, well, so I didn't grow up here. Um, I've, I've ended up here. Um, my wife is from Oklahoma. So for the last uh, 10 years, I've lived in this area, uh, but I grew up in Northwest Iowa, um, okay. where, which is where Fort today is from. Um, and it was very, I mean, the, the scene there was um, not really existent prior to like some, some of the early guys in for today, uh, booking, booking shows, our drummer used to like kind of book a lot of the shows coming through the, uh, Sioux city, Iowa area uh, you know, we booked through a lot of bands and played VFW halls. And we just were like a local band that would open up the shows when we could book these, mm-hmm. you know, book the haste, the days a day to remembers and, uh, all those bands when they were, you know, at the very early stage of their career where they're playing VFW halls still. Um, and, but, and how uh, did you know about that scene to build it? be part of the building of it in, um, in your so, place yeah uh so our our drummer who was the guy who did a lot of the booking uh his name is david uh and he he was a pastor's kid um and he kind of grew up uh in that like tooth and nail solid state movement um i did not grow up in that i was kind of more uh I don't know the the term secular music is so weird oh. but uh but like you know i was listening to like slipknot and uh um <clears throat> evergreen terrace and things that were kind of in more of the uh i guess the 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 non-christian side of it and then i started getting introduced to those bands as, as there was kind of that crossover moment when like you know under oath and as late dying and all those bands started kind of having their initial uh rise to success uh that was kind of like when that whole world became Oh, I was aware of it because before that it was just learning to play Slipknot and Pantera Metallica songs on guitar. And, uh, you know, and I, I liked metal and like the, some of the new metal stuff that was happening. And I also liked, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some of like the fat records, epitaph punk rock stuff. So it was like this weird, uh, like I saw no problem or I didn't even think that it was anything weird about being like, yeah, I like Pennywise and I like corn or yeah, I like system of a right, down right. and I like no effects. There was no like, line that said those are different things you can't like them so you know and 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 those bands never came to you know the town of 700 that i grew up in so it was just like it was something i could see on headbangers ball or something or like you know uh and see those kind of bands so that was kind of the the entryway into it was our drummer who had this kind of christian upbringing so he had this whole other world that he brought in and it was kind of a you know there was some good music as a part of that um obviously so that was kind of the the entry point um into subculture music more specifically the the solid state tooth and nail um the whole sphere of the the rise of christian metalcore hardcore thing um and you know down here i just have ended up here so like uh and and i like and i like it there's a lot of there's a lot of good bands there's a lot there's a cool scene here um but uh I'm I'm kind of a transplant, not I really a, not not really an OG here, but uh, yeah, but it's the great. patterns are the same wherever they come, smaller and bigger and everything. But it sounds like right. you were creating a play. You were part of the people who were creating, both finding and creating a place of belonging for, yeah, other people, yeah. you know, in there, and that's yeah. what seems important. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a really cool time. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, 
rose colored lenses always because when you're when you're excited and young there's all everything's always the best then um but it was it was certainly a, a really cool time there's a lot of uh a lot of really great friends that came out of that scene and and you know being from a small area like that a lot of a lot of the people that were involved in that scene kind of moved off to different areas and got in, interested and involved in other things and um you know, there's a lot of creative people that, you know, come, right. come into the scene. So the, that creativity can take you in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the story of even with, with for today in general, like everybody who was in the band, uh, at the end, a lot of us are doing creative things now for careers, uh, and are still involved in this scene in some form or fashion. Yeah, that definitely. It's like this magnet that attracts people and then they, you know, find and refine, they refine each other and find each other and then, then spread back out is part of that pattern. It seems like with anything where there's, and not just music scene, but that, that pattern um, you see in, you know, creative circles, I'll put it that way. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So face down is a, interesting label. What is, from your point of view, I don't, I just have an outside point of view, but Tell me what is unique and special about Face Down music and how you 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 know you guys got involved with, with them. Sure. Well, I mean, we were they were like for for this uh like the guys in the band that grew up in this Christian thing, it was kind of like that those the the few Christian labels that they were, Face Down was one of them that had bands that were, you know, like they had Comeback Kid and all these bands that we liked and and do like still. Um, but uh um so they were they were they were interested in us is basically what it came down to that was like part of it um you know sitting here now uh it, from you know 15 years removed from signing to them i would say the unique thing about face down is that jason dunn is the best person in music he is the best person the, in music the best in record best record label person like he does things for bands that is not ever it's rarely in his own best interest the things that he'll do for bands he'll invest money that like doesn't make any sense on paper he'll he'll sign bands that he believes in that have a like sometimes there's really not a chance it's going to work but he just believes in like what they're doing and he he like he uh <laughs> no offense jason but he leads with his heart i think that's one thing about him that i think is so cool and it's so rare in the music world that it's not like he's not like a number cruncher uh necessarily like he he he's smart and he's very like conservative financially in a lot of ways so he's not trying to lose money uh or do anything that's reckless which is why his, his they've been able to float for such a long time that's right yeah um but the thing that i've always really admired about him is that he is he he will pass up on something that is almost a slam dunk because he doesn't have a like a good feeling about like the intent of the people behind it. And that's not a thing you see all the time when there's something like this could make me a lot of money and float me for the next several years and help me sign other bands. But I don't know if I trust these people. Um, he'll, he'll just pass on things like that. And I think that's kind of a, a, a unique thing is he, he it does, he, he, he goes with his, his gut. He, uh, yeah, he like leads with his heart. And I, I think that's a unique thing in the music world because it's, that's just not a thing you see all the time, but he's just, a, he's great. His wife, Virginia, they're just amazing. So as far as like human beings and music, they do a lot of things that are uh good, good person first. And then business is like 
farther down the checklist, I guess that's the way I would say that. And is that, is that, how do you tell that about, is that immediately, can you just tell that in person? Like what's the way that you're able to, you um, know, some well, people just have that ability to trust them. Yeah, you know, sure. So I, it somehow. I, yeah. I've, I've talked with him a lot over stuff about stuff over the years and like, uh, you know, for today was there for the first three records. And then I signed my other, my, my band now, nothing left to them for, uh, you know, a short a short deal and i had other offers to do it um uh to do for other labels for this for this band i just kind of wanted to work with someone like like them even though it was you know the some of the other labels had more resources but they're just people i really care about so um but i think you know i've had a lot of discussions with him about signing bands he's talked to me about like hey what do you think about this band or that band and uh the way he structures his deals, and I don't think he would have any problem with me saying this, is he he is a firm believer in the 50-50 deal no matter what. So there's certain bands that he'll get in where it's like, man, you're never going to make money back if you give them 50-50 deal. Like consider 60-40, like, you know, or something like consider consider something that's going to help you not like just lose money. But he just he's like a, he's principled in a way where he doesn't want to, anyone to feel like he's trying to take advantage of them um sometimes probably to his own detriment um mm -hmm. because you know i don't think he, no one would consider him unfair ever and a part of that is because he is is so willing to put everybody else ahead of himself and i, I think that's really unique as a as a label guy um cuz you know 50 50 deals are kind of a thing of the past at this point in a lot of ways uh they don't happen very often and and if they do it's a uh, you know it's a it's a rare thing so that was a unique thing about all of our face down deals which you know turned out to be very lucrative uh you know when our band happened to like right. do all In right day, it, especially it, yeah yeah so then so then having those deals where they were you know super artist friendly was a thing that like one one when we won or when he won everyone won together so that was a really cool really cool thing and he still does his deals like that today even though the music industry has changed like so wildly um in terms of how it's monetized but I think there's a lot of distribution deals and artists with power now who once they have a name can get a 50 50 deal now but that Correct. to me that sounds like he's ahead of the curve and he's principled and mm -hmm. to you know to really have longevity if you look at anybody that has longevity and success they're typically principled people versus mm -hmm. you know versus making compromises to chase things so that sure um that is fascinating I don't know him but it sounds like somebody I'd like to meet and then talk to he's uh he's incredible i couldn't couldn't recommend him uh higher as a as, as a as a guy to know uh he's just great so um you know i don't know how much uh you know they're doing as a label right now i think they're like there's kind of the the, the pool of bands to pick from is smaller than it's ever been so i think he's just content to just you know sign when he feels like something's right and not uh you know do anything that he doesn't feel like is what he wants to do so that's great and uh you know he lives in hawaii uh he he had a house in uh southern california sold it moved to hawaii and runs an airbnb out there and um just lives in paradise with his family and is just yeah face down was wow. a great thing for him and it was a great thing for a lot of the, the bands that were you know there for their stays there that's that's really cool to hear um, so your role in for today, I mean, from, from everything I can gather and what people say, you just are like an interdisciplinary, all-purpose kind of guy. It seems like you do everything from writing to business to even visual 
design and things like that and you know editing producing like the the full so full thing i i had my hands on a lot of things the visual stuff i can't take credit for i would say there are we had a, a guy at the end of the band for the last several years named jim hughes who has a company called northery now but he's like a graphic designer does music video stuff and he's a uh, he's he's incredible he's doing so much cool stuff with uh pretty much every band that for today ever toured with he's worked with post that. And then like his net is just so wide now he's uh, he's doing really, really well and has made a great career as like a, you know, a, a visual artist. Um, uh, so I can't take credit for his, his, uh, his talent there, but uh, I, I will say, yeah, I mean, f- the rest of that is uh, I was kind of the business guy. I was the TM sort of uh, most of the time, unless, um, you know, we had a sound guy who also wanted to tour manage or something, but generally it was, I was kind of the tour manager and the business uh, oriented member of the band. I was the kind of point of contact for management and planned a lot of like kind of the strategy stuff on that end. And then on the creative side, that was kind of, that was my initial role pre getting into the business stuff um, was just being kind of, uh, you know, musically the, 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 the driver, if you will. And my brother sat shotgun for that and we did it together a lot of the time, but, uh, um, but yeah, that was kind of how a lot of that stuff went. Um, I, I wore several hats and uh, you know, I think a lot of it was because I'm a bit controlling in a lot of ways. I like to like know what's happening. I want to be like, I like quite literally was the driver. Like I, I didn't really want anyone <laughs> else to drive. Uh, so like, you know, on tours, I would drive probably 90% of the time for a majority of, uh, for a majority of the band. So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it's a, it's a blessing and a curse probably for all those around me. Like, Oh, it's great to have stuff done, but then it's, you know, you have someone who's got a, a death grip on, on the wheel, uh, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> well, you get into a situation where you, you will say control freak, or maybe other people will say control freak, but it's like, if, if everything's connected, when you mess with one thing, it messes with another thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, you can't mess with that. It's not that I want to do that. It's just, but that, if you do that, that's going to affect this. And so I need to sure. make sure it stays in balance or something like that. And then eventually sure. it's like, well, I'm doing stuff I don't really want to do, but, sure. and then I'm going to get called a control freak for it. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and to, and to all the guys credit, I don't think anyone ever called me that is just, I'm like, I feel like at this point I'm self-aware enough to look back and be like yeah it's probably you know i was probably a little uh a little much to to deal with in terms of just uh you know here's what we're doing tonight everyone cool all right great you know like we're driving here i have a hotel there we're staying here for this long we're waking up at this time and we're gonna drive to this place we're gonna eat lunch here you know um <laughs> so uh so you know it it's uh but yeah, that's we all had like we all had roles and they were different. Mine were just kind of the, you know, those two specific roles are maybe a little unorthodox for the same person to kind of handle both of them. There's but, a, there's uh, more of that than you would think, and it's and it's weird because it's half creative and half like uh, systematic, I guess. And so mm-hmm. I'm always curious about people's childhoods or where they come from, their background that that gives them that both, um, both abilities. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really not sure how, how I could pinpoint it as it relates to to any of that, to be honest. But like, you know, I grew up, my parents uh, are pretty non-musical people. Um, my brother and I learned to play instruments young. My brother was in for today as well, for those that don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of 
started playing music together and that was kind of all we cared about for a really long time was just the music side of it and we had the drummer who booked who booked all this stuff back in the day that kind of took that role of business guy because he was already booking bands coming through he booked our original tours as our like diy tours he would self-book them and he kind of had those reins for a number of years and i was perfectly content with just being music guy um and uh you know probably to like a weird level like we'd be in europe and doing all this stuff and i just could care less about like the cultures that i was encountering it was just all we're playing a show and that's all i care about uh and there was a, a switch that flipped later on uh particularly after david left the band and he he, he went to he went to to go be a missionary and uh then there was kind of this void of like all right well someone's got to take the rope here and once i started taking the rope i started to like the strategy side of my brain was like oh i like that i can figure this out i like that i can solve these problems the problem solving nature of we had we the trailer's broken. We have to get here. How do we get the trailer fixed and get there so we don't miss any, you know? So learning the strategy of that stuff and figuring out how to like most effectively budget and save, save, save money so that we could profit the most and be able to sustain our existence became like a thing that I actually really enjoyed, I guess is, the, is a word. There's like, there's like a love hate thing, but it's a thing that I like the strategy part of the way that my brain works uh, it, I kind of discovered that it was like a, a new itch that I needed to scratch more regularly. So um, you kind of back into that from creative first, mm-hmm. it sounds like. And then when you find that extra gear, it still sounds like you're, you're problem solving from a creative mindset. Like, oh, the trailer's broken. What are the, and then, then the strategy and then the systemization emerges um, yeah. to, to help. But it's really the problem solving creativity that is probably probably pretty key to song arranging is 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 like problem solving creatively too right yeah yeah i think so and i mean i really like trying to approach emotional situations uh with as little emotion as i can uh, uh, try to um and i think that's why that's why i like make like now i produce records and make records and i can come into someone's creative situation where there's emotional connections and come in with no uh no agenda other than i can listen to it fresh and go this is weird here's a problem let's solve it and the and the and then it's just uh you can easily expose the weak points of songs or music or other people's creative things by looking at it objectively it's the same thing as like the reason you go to a therapist right is that they are they can they can look at your situation that is muddied with emotions and feelings and just things that are make everything more difficult and you can vocalize it to someone who can just be like why do you think that is and you know uh why do you think you keep doing this thing and we keep running into the same problem and it's just helpful to um yeah i I just love that that like being able to see the field from from above and kind of like that make a make a plan to Um, have the perspective you know to have the perspective is the value there because to because it's like um emotion it's like like People say, but emotion's good. Well, of course it is. Like, in order to harness the emotion, that's what the whole music thing's about. You know, it's you have to be lost in it to some degree and fully passionate. That's like the value. That's the thing you're trying to directly harness is emotion and passion. And therefore, it's useful to be able to have perspective so that at other times or other people can be totally immersed with no 
outside awareness because that's yeah. where they're going to operate best. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, sometimes it happens with something simple, like the, the most simple way to that I could explain it, like in the context of making a, a record would be like a lyric that someone had, like they have this whole song that's really emotional and important to them. But then when I listen to it, kind of having a vague idea of what they're even saying, I could say this lyric right here sticks out and takes me totally out of the song and makes me think of something like obs obscure and weird. And that may work other people will probably feel that way too when they hear this phrase said this way why don't we consider a way that we can say something that is maybe a little less whatever like it can be anything it can be like everybody has these words that like they don't like these phrases that are like oh that's a cliche i don't like it or you know whatever but trying to find whatever the emotion is and if some lyric takes you in the exact opposite direction mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to know that when you're so connected to it but it's painfully obvious to everyone who's not in that same spot so it's great to to go at situations that way in general and try to as much as you can uh objectively look at your situation whether it's your trailer is broken down on the side of the road and that's annoying and you're frustrated or it's you know your creative endeavors um or your relationship stuff like you know whatever whatever it is it's uh it it you tend to make better decisions uh when you uh, try, try to look at it as if you, what would you tell your friend who was in this situation? Not like, what are you telling yourself? So how does that work for you with composing the original music? Cause it's not just producing or even just arranging, sure. you know, you're are, um, and if I haven't, you know, given this yet, your, your creative writing, the parts you come up with and the, the context you create are, killer they are on point they're inspired they they both um obviously are unique in themselves and obviously connect with people um and a lot of that's coming from you so how do you get all the Thank way you. to the inside where the pat whatever that is if i'm understanding that you've composed sure. a lot of this you sure. know music that is so sure. popular yeah um, well how do you get into that space well, it depends. Um, I, like, so it changed like like every creative thing, it's changed over time, right? Like, uh, you know, the way that we wrote songs when we were kids is different than the way that I write songs in my 30s. But um, uh, one thing that we discovered a lot of value in early was the role of producer, um, the, the role of outside perspective. And Will Putney uh, was our producer um, for, a, for a good chunk of our career with For Today. So I, I also... Uh, you know, not to plug my own profession, but I think it's it's valuable for any creative to have somebody that they trust to take uh, to take a look at their stuff and be able to like objectively criticize them and help them get better. Um, so I learned a lot from Will and just having his outside perspective was valuable. Um, so I even when I do stuff now, uh, you know, I try to as best I can try to look at it that like, as if I like fresh, maybe I'll set something aside and come back to it later. But uh, with a lot of the four today stuff, we had a producer, which was helpful, um, incredibly helpful. And, uh, you know, in learning to make, I learned to make records with him after that. And then I got, I worked at his studio after that and kind of learned uh -huh. his process from having that. And 
you know, he learned it from this guy, Machine, who you may remember. Machine not be is unbelievable. With. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Boys Night so, Out record he did is like one of my favorite productions yeah, ever. And one of the, the Armor for Sleep record he did is yeah. really, really great too. I mean, he's done a ton of great records. But so it's like his process filtered through Wilf and filtered through me and like several other guys that are there as well. But, um, you know, that I guess I'm kind of getting off topic as I, as I tend to do, but creatively, I think having, having outside perspective is helpful, um, in general. Uh, and when I'm writing with a band now, like mm-hmm. when brand, when bands bring their material to me and we are going to co-write together, uh, I, it's, it's hard to not end up in the same seat that they're in uh-huh. if you're not careful. So, uh, so All right. I'm I'm I, really trying to make you go the totally opposite direction and talk about your creative spark, not the outside perspective, but the sure. spark of the idea the spark that comes of the from idea. you. So maybe sure. it'd be helpful to say, well, who are your influences that influence your riffs? Where are your riffs sure. come from? Sure. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so for for riffs, I like grew up playing Metallica songs and Pantera songs and learning how to play like that style of riff. And then I also learned how to play like uh like the more standard chord progression uh punk rock stuff like those two sides that i explained mm-hmm. earlier i learned kind of all of that stuff on guitar and then and then it was just like bits and pieces of stuff where i would hear like a groove that someone would play and be like i'm gonna steal that or like i'd okay um or i'd be like listening to a video game or something and there'd be some obscure thing that happened that is super not in context and i'd be like that was a cool melodic movement you know oh that that was a key change and it was a minor third key change why does that work how does that work how can i do a version of that so sometimes it would just be hearing something that was inspiring um or it would be uh like but it was typically more part by part less like this song does this for me it was this moment uh does something and i think that's quite technical for you Probably in, in, in that side. And then like for lyrics and vocals and melodies and stuff, that was stuff I got into like doing more of towards the end of for today and towards the end of our career. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially as I started writing with other bands and stuff, I started to like really hone in on lyrics and pay attention to them. And there's bands that do like, I've I've always thought thrice and what Dustin does lyrically is um, really great. He's, he's great for uh, kind of, uh, elaborate metaphors or allegories and things that like he can kind of do these interesting pictures there do you have a and... favorite thing that dustin's done in in that you know that comes to mind of what are you exactly talking about there um he has a song called words in the water It's like a cool like it's a reference i'll give to people when talking about like not on the nose storytelling um and if you're not familiar with the song uh the idea is that like you kind of someone comes up to a book that it's they see in the river and that can like help help them and as they go out to it they realize progressively verse by verse they're that it's deeper and deeper and harder to carry the weight of this book um and they're drowning under the weight of it that they thought that, that, that they needed to help them. So then, uh, you know, it's like this like story of redemption and, you know, the kind of the classic pure Pilgrim's Progress story, right? Um, but uh, the, 
the way that he approaches the song is as things go on, it's progressive. First, it's like you're standing like uh, you're standing ankle deep and then you're like neck deep. And then you're, you know, like the lyrics kind of build upon themselves. And that's, that's really cool. And um, you know, to, on, on the solid state tip, I think one of my favorite uh, songs that Wolves at the Gate has ever done uh, is a song called The The Bird and the Snake. song is basically like if you if you're convinced or if you're talked into giving a little bit of yourself little by little and a little more is a little more and a little more and, until all of a sudden you know this bird gives a feather away and then oh just give me if you have so many feathers give me another feather and then take another feather give me another feather oh. and eventually you run out of feathers and the snake eats the bird um but the idea is you if you have something that's uh valuable just because you have a lot of it doesn't mean you should just give it away because it's easy to to lose yourself in uh in deception that that way and i thought that was such a cool way to like create your own metaphor and uh and have like this great story that is super not on the nose and it's very different you know steve it likes literal lyrics a lot uh and you know i think he's great at that but that song is always the one that i'm you know whenever i see him or talk to him i'm just like that's the one that's the one for me like the what you did there is so cool because it's it's a thinker and uh you know i like that kind of stuff um you know for today was very literal uh, especially like early on because maddie maddie was very uh he's a very literal preachy guy that's like his thing um so uh so you know he that that very much speaks to him and as we, things get later in our career there was slight more like attempts to inject some uh some more metaphor and some more uh open to interpretive lyrics you know mm-hmm. um so it, it's it's changed so much over time and i think i i think it's like part of part of my creative thing is trying to change what that is so that it's not uh so i don't do the same thing over and over again forever i'm fascinated by your draw to these external elements and away from like the, just talking about guitar stuff here which you know that's yeah. it's really fascinating um when you get those um moments of inspiration from a video game or a, something else what is that how do you know like what's your actual emotion that you have when the spark is there when the inspiration is there what does that feel like how do you know it just leaps out to you it sounds like yeah i mean i i guess i just get like excited in certain moments like there's like i i i like to, to me every song needs to have a reason to exist like what is that reason because uh and it's it's almost for especially for like music that's not pop music it's usually like what's the moment it's either a vibe or the moment and uh so whether it's like this thing does a 50 bpm tempo change and like makes everything just grind to a halt and that like feeling of like a car crash or Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. is that's the moment it's like there's it's evoking a feeling of like everything grinding to a halt or or of extreme tension or of extreme release um but uh I don't know how I like, I, th- I think there's just certain things like you get the, you get the chills for it or yeah. like 
for you know for me like i i'm a huge bruno mars fan and everything that he does uh in like you know there's so many moments that he builds in where it's like an interesting chord progression or it lands on a place you don't uh-huh. expect but it lands and resolves in such an interesting way that and those are moments that i think are really interesting and, and uh to try to do something that is like outside of the box um uh harmonically but then also make it feel like the most obvious thing ever is like a real difficult thing to do to just like have some because usually if something feels obvious it's like you know a very like nursery rhymey you know a nursery rhyme resolves where you think it's going to resolve um so it's hard to like make something land intentionally where you don't expect it to do yeah. but then make it feel like there's no yes. other way that that would go is the um, is the is the tension between the familiar and the new and and yeah. so nursery rhymes a great example people say like you know Kurt Cobain was almost like a nursery rhyme but in this totally new way or something bizarre would happen or whatever mm-hmm. and that car crash thing that as soon as you said that where it's a slow down and it's a car crash that is in your music so much oh, that is you. in that that I mean I get that like so much in the for today catalog i'm trying to think of of maybe good examples of it but can you give me an example of where you think that is um in some of your songs i mean you know yeah yeah um i think to me i i don't know if i would say that exact metaphor but there's some moments i really like uh on the last record we had this song called force into fire and the end of that song was like very over the top on purpose uh and it's like my favorite part on the whole record Because there's these like uh, this just stuff that makes me laugh almost like yeah right because right. stop because tracks yeah it's, it's just it's so silly and over the top but that like s- scratches an itch for me like there's these just obnoxious like <laughs> things that happen in the middle of this heavy part and it's just these fast triplet runs that are harmonized so it's just you can't ignore it because it's so obnoxious and uh obnoxious. that stuff that like that, I don't know finding those moments where it's almost like it's like ear candy but annoying ear candy and uh and i and i like i like that uh sometimes so that's one of them another one that was like a made me laugh a lot was a song called there's a song called pariah on uh the record fight the silence and there's a vocal break death is only the beginning of everything i'm living for this is my final stand we stopped everything and it went for such a long time that we just like, well, let's double it and make it longer. And it was boom, let's make, let's make it longer and boom, let's make it longer. Uh, and, and it just was so long that I was like, I think this is too far. It's perfect. Um, so that moment there, uh, really like it, it really worked live because you, there was nothing else to distract from it because it was just a vocal in silence. Um, so and uh, okay, I'm getting the I'm getting the picture now, and it it's starting to make sense to me of how uh how it starts to kind of all tie together because you have this flair for the dramatic is the way I would say it. Even the things you're identifying in Dustin and Steve's songs, it's like it's got this element of 
drama that unfolds over time and all these dramatic changes and obnoxious things and making the feature the flaw and you just set all this context and then somehow you also tailor that to what work you, you have a clear very clear tether to how the audience feels it in the room or in the pit like that's an element of it and then yeah. you set all this context and then you just put you know this extremely literal passionate and really dry like vocal presence of maddie in there and then yeah. it's just like i mean it's scratching all kind of itches all at once and it's so obnoxious it's so obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. everything yeah. about it is and i'm pretty sure that's the key to how um if we could you know even kind of twist the frame a little here it's like my what's what's so puzzling to me and makes me so curious about your band is how can a so literal christian um preachy band get so far into the scene in this way where it's is typically been a barrier mm -hmm. and you've turned it into this feature that actually it kind it just really works and really makes sense and you guys are on warp tour and it belongs there it's so obvious that it belongs there and even with the elements that you would think are turnoffs to people is still working because it's mm -hmm. working so you can't argue with it and it has that obnoxious punk disobedient spirit throughout that you don't it's like you know all these bands from our world are always trying to walk the line of being a christian band and also mm -hmm. being a secular band and you're not walking any kind of line it's yeah. just punk 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 it reminds me of um we did one of our first tours with 18 visions and remembering never was on that tour and they're mm -hmm. just the most obnoxious vegan band atheist vegan band it's like okay this is mm -hmm. a like pantera but obnoxious vegans and they yeah. would never and they would make fun of us from stage before we would play and just and it was just like you could not help but absolutely love it and get it and it didn't bother you that they were doing that because it was who they were from the inside out and they sure. weren't trying to walk any line or do anything it's like yeah that's what that there's something fundamental about that so it's like even doing the christian thing to that degree and preaching is so bold and so clear and it but within its context and what the spirit is even behind it is somehow you know you're able to just leap past all these bands that were trying to like blend it or mix it or hide mm. it or whatever so all mm. those elements together from your way you do and then what maddie does as a focal mm. point it's just mm. it's insane i mean that's yeah i mean that's i think i guess thinking of it in, in those terms like I, I i i don't often look at for today that way but it, like i think i think that's accurate um uh and a lot of times when i'm working with other people like i am a firm believer in that going like we toured with this band motionless and white uh, uh years ago um for the for, for the first time and they were kind of like doing the bleeding through thing like a bunch of dudes in all black but like and then like, you know, had like maybe a little bit of eyeliner or something, right? Like, and they were doing okay at the time. Um, but when they really took off, they like leaned in and like, and then it was like full costumes and like stage antics. And like, it was, it was, they took the, the Marilyn Manson approach and it was like, what if there's an entire band of Marilyn Mansons? And that was like, like this guy's a character, that guy's a character. Everyone, like, as soon as they leaned in, 
for real it like now they're massive and ice nine kills is another example of a band that like was around for a long time and you know was doing okay but then they like they've discovered like this like whole world of like horror movies like serial killer stuff and they leaned into that like super hard stage antics all the things and they are a massive band now and uh and so i think there's something to be said for like finding your thing whatever that is whether it's like genuinely who you are in your faith or your whatever or your political leanings or your um or you're just like your horror movie interests or whatever it is and like when you're on a stage it's hard to see those things clearly so if you blow it up uh then no one can miss what that is and it gives you like an identity and an identifier and you know i uh i i worked on a, a record for a band called gideon recently with my friend randy we co-produced it together and a lot of the thing we talked about was like you know they wanted to like inject southern stuff into their band those guys love country music and they're from like alabama and they have like a very like they kind of for a long time had just like tried to be a metalcore band and the the whole thing was let's lean in like let's lean into who you are because there's a lot of metalcore bands and a lot of hardcore bands that are doing like the hardcore band thing so like you know those dudes are like they're just being themselves and it's like wearing cowboy hats and like brooks and dunn t-shirts on stage and then playing really heavy and they're they're doing better than they've ever done as they've leaned into who they are loudly and i think that was kind of what we were doing with no like there was no intent uh because we didn't know better at all it was just we oh, happened it's pure to be... obviously it's not a gimmick or anything because the calculation would be that that would backfire and that you would be gate kept out of places like warp tour and the uh, all the opportunities you had and to the stuff by being so obnoxiously preachy sure. for instance sure. i need you to understand something we come here for one reason and one reason only it's not for fame it's not for fortune respect popularity or admiration we come here to make our savior and our king jesus And listen, friend, I don't stand up here with some church kid that's just reciting to you what a pastor told me when I was growing up. I stand up here with somebody that knows God is real and that knows God is alive because I've seen him. He's changed my life. And I know he'll do the same for you. So that, sure. I mean, that's one of the, that's the defining kind of feature of for today, you know, and I mean, you say you don't see it that way, but do, do you... I, I don't, th I haven't thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. I haven't considered it that way. I think you're right. And I do see it in hindsight, but I was never a conscious decision of looking at it. Like if we're just the loudest, like, you know, then that's going to work for us. Cause we were told by everybody that like, like you said, like we were turned down by a bunch of record labels because it was too Christian to market, you know, right. like it was too yeah, so... over the top. So did you did you then perceive it like you did have a ceiling because of that or that you that it helped you get as far as you got? I think it's both, right? Like I think that I think that like there's for every band there's a glass ceiling. Who knows where it is? But like sometimes what makes you who you are is what keeps you from being like like there's like it's the thing that sets your ceiling. Um where that is exactly for everyone is different, but uh um yeah, I mean, there was definitely like we got to the point in our career where it's like we've toured with all of the bands that are much bigger than us that are going to tour with us. Like there's a mm -hmm. pl plenty of those bands that are just like, you know, 
that we're cool with that have just been like, yeah, we're not bringing you guys on the tour because we just don't want that tension, that tension that comes with it. And, and I understand, like, it was never like a, like, I'm not mad at you for not wanting an uncomfortable tension, like at your show. So, uh, but, but, you know, we kind of had that realization at a certain point where it was like, we've, we've supported all the bands that we'll probably be able to support. Right. And, uh, you know, and we can make a good living, like cruising altitude where we're at, but, uh, you know, you eventually, we kind of know you've hit like the ceiling, uh, uh-huh. if you're, if you're able to objectively look at where you're but you, at. You, you, you busted past some other ceilings with the, with the thing. And sure. It, it, it's a fascinating, I mean, it's like the most outspoken successful at, I mean, I want to use the term spirit field hardcore. Does that resonate to y'all? Do you ever use that term? I think and it sounds but, like you didn't have the Christian thing as much either. So, I, you yeah. know, I'd well, like I, to get... so I didn't come up with it. I didn't come up in it. And like, uh, I didn't grow up that way. Um, and it was like later in, it was I was like 18, 19, when I like had been around in it that, that I like, that I was exposed to it. And so I was like, and, and am a believer, but uh, it, it, it was sort of, it, it wasn't like, ground into me as a kid like you know I, I didn't come up in a pastor's family there was a couple guys in our band that were a part of like that were pastor's right. kids and stuff like that where it was very much like all that they've ever known and uh and that and that's not a dig it was just not how I grew up so um but uh but yeah I mean we use that I think we would have used that term um you know I think it was kind of one of those things that the spirit filled hardcore thing was we were probably too metal for that. You know, I think we were kind of in this spot where we were like, yeah, not, we were like too metal for, to be, to, to, to uh, commandeer certain terms. But uh, yeah, I think we would definitely be, have been considered a, a part of like the spirit filled metal core movement. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, not just hardcore, but metal too, for sure. But it's spirit filled as a, as a defining feature, it, you know, is the way it at least mm-hmm. comes across. Like it wasn't like, I mean, you didn't have the impulse to tell Maddie to tone it down. (laughs) No, no, uh, no. And I mean, yeah, that was definitely not the case. I mean, it was, it's so much a part of who he was. That isn't to say that there wasn't like subtle tensions uh, regarding like what was being said, because as you know, like there's, uh, there's a lot of nuance to what it means to be a believer and what it means to have beliefs and the amount of, like i mean there's like 10,000 denominations plus uh of christian so it's a very like uh it's a very large umbrella with uh and you know and that's okay but it is challenging when there's like differences in doctrinal uh opinion uh and you have you know so as time went on we tried to refine uh kind of like the scope of what we were what of what the point was um together and be like all right like you think this, I don't think this, but like, what is the uniting factor? Um, what is the gospel in this, in this situation? And I think that was kind of like what held us together because there's, you know, there's a pretty, like, there's pretty varied views, um, regarding like the how, uh, yeah. uh for, uh, even, even in our, in our, in our band. So, um, as time went on, we had, we had those kind of discussions and figured out like, you know, he, he, you, you believe this, that's great. It's not a, like, you're not wrong necessarily, but I don't agree. And here's how we think about like, 
here's the core things that we can like close hand unite under and have that be the vision of the band rather than like, you know, getting off in some like, well, you're more charismatic than I am. So like where you're leaning this way, I'm probably leaning a different way slightly. And so it's a, it's messy business. It really is like have, cause you don't want to stifle someone's passion either. Right. And, uh, right. um, but you also like, don't want to be standing on a stage and like, not agreeing with what's being said on your behalf either so Uh it's a it's it's certainly a a a, a, i think that's a side of the being a loud christian band that like it's it's tough like because you're so loud for so long and you say so many different things and then (laughs) and then you know you look back 10 years later and you're like okay well a lot of that was cool some of that makes me cringe um and and Mm -hmm. i think that's universal for all of us we've we had moments of like well that 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 didn't work how we thought it was gonna you know that that came out in a way that wasn't intended or whatever and that's part of being young and part of growing and part of you know the learning process but um but yeah it was it was a really interesting way to grow up and develop your like right belief system in this weird subculture so it's a lot of learning and a lot of unlearning like everybody has but uh it's really interesting so you're you're doing you're going through this spiritual formation human formation adult formation through your 20s and you said it's in a subculture but more than a subculture for today is its own micro culture that is cohesive and works and you're it's just you guys interacting with each other to refine each other and that's the most fascinating thing is every band is a a, a microculture and yours you know um i'm starting to get the picture of it now the more that we talk um and you know maddie's a fascinating character what is what what are his strengths and weaknesses from your point of view uh maddie is incredibly gifted as a speaker he's incredibly uh He's a, he's a leader by, by nature. He, um, people listen to him and want to follow what he says. And like, uh, he has that, like that gravitas to him as a person. Like, that's just a, 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 that's, that's, uh, very clear if you're around him at all. Like he just has that, uh, all the time. Um, the downside of that, I mean, I think everybody's, everybody's greatest gift is their greatest weakness at the same time. I Um, I agree. Yeah. uh, And so I think some, sometimes, uh, you know, respectfully uh, it's, it's when everyone holds your opinion as the highest in the room, it's hard to not start to do that sort of thing as well. Um, And uh, I think he did, he has done things to guard himself from that as well. And he, and you know, but, but it's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's hard even as like a band guy, like that wasn't in his position. If a lot of people tell you how huge your band is or whatever, you're just like, yeah, we are actually pretty big, you know? And, and it's like, it's really easy easy to get lost. It's just the, you know, five or six guys in a van and then you have fans or worshipers or participants or congregants i mean if he was born in 1850 he would have been a traveling revivalist Mm -hmm. intense right sure yeah absolutely i mean and i mean and and you know and the same thing is true with like with my my giftings uh like are also probably the the very thing that made people irritated with me you know just uh, when they're irritated how does that look um i mean they were they were really gracious to me honestly in a lot of ways but um uh 
and uh, it, there was a lot of just like pe people didn't really um may maybe always um want to do things the way that i wanted to or like if i had an idea for a concept for like what the record was going to be like i don't want it to be like the last couple records i was like i don't want these to be literal we've done the literal thing let's try to be less literal um and you know i don't know if everyone was fully like sure of that idea but there was a lot of like okay well i'm 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 kind of insisting on like us doing something that is a little more artistic and a little less like on the nose like um so you know whether that worked or not is for other people to decide but they but you know sometimes it's just it's easy to like when you feel really really strong about something to uh to push too hard and i think I was probably guilty of that. Maddie was probably guilty of that. We were all probably that way because when you're a group of people that are all so intense all the time, especially at that period of our lives, um, you know, everyone's moving in their direction. And sometimes it's like the goal is to try to like remain together in some way and not just run the opposite directions from each other. And yeah, we made a concerted effort with that amount of, you know, charisma and stuff is it, you, you, was it that you guys all together were following Maddie's leadership and in your own, because really the territory is obviously polarizing. And when you polarize that your supporters are even more, you know, acknowledging and supportive mm -hmm. of the extremes that you have. Yeah. So did, did you, was it that you all were in the same or was it tension between Maddie? You know what I mean? Like, was it, yeah, um, I mean, you I were think all there was... believing into your own hype, too much or something no there? no i think i think honestly like the, the the tension often with various members was like just um confidence in their theological views and the way that they wanted things to be approached myself maddie every everybody had like these ideas of what we thought was the best way to do it um based on what we were learning at the time or what we had you know whatever so when everyone has that level of like I'm right. And I'm confident about it. It's like trying to figure out how to like keep everybody together and not have it turn into like, uh, I'm right. You're wrong. Specifically, uh -huh. you need to like, be like me. And, uh, you know, it's, I think, I don't think there was a, just a ton of that. I don't want to paint the picture that we were like always em embroiled no, in tension or like conflict. That. Um, but we made a lot of, a lot of conscious effort to fight against those things because, you know, it wasn't like one of us was the leader and one of us wasn't. It was like we, we all tried to make a concerted effort. Like we did Bible studies every day together. We met up and we talked with how we were feeling that day and we prayed for each other. And we did all the we did. That was like an every day that we're on the road. We do this. And we did that as an effort to, like, be humans together uh, because so that it wasn't like, you know, Maddie's off doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. And we're all like in our own little bubbles and it's super easy. You know, you see like these giant rock star bands where they're all on their own buses and they hate each other and stuff. And we yeah. never wanted to be that. We all like genuinely like, yeah, that seems to be the key. We're to friends like, to, especially to keep it together a long time. Cause you can, it, you can spin out with anything, but did you guys have a cohesive mission beyond music and success? Like with altar calls, souls being saved. Did you exter have externalized like views of what the actual accomplishments of the band were supposed yeah, to be? Yeah. We, we wanted to see people come to know, uh, the Lord. That was like, that was the goal. Um, and, uh, you know, as time, you know, like there was like with things like altar calls, there was 
like we we did do those and there was some differing opinions on what like as time went on like for me i'm like not really an altar call person i don't really like i don't really like buy it um in a lot of ways i think it can be a good thing but i just don't see any big biblical precedent for it so there were some things where it was like you know i can i can let my personal feelings go sometimes but it was it would be a thing where like hey let's not like i don't want to be doing altar calls all the time but if you really really feel like it's important tonight go, okay but uh so yeah it was it was it was interesting in, in those kind of ways and you know because there's just so much like without getting off too far into the weeds uh there's just so much stuff with like american christianity that is just come like like the idea of altar calls and baptisms and like this mm-hmm. thing where it's like this guy's been baptized for the 30th time but he means it this time and it's like this whole like mm-hmm. this whole weird culture where we would have people that were like youth pastors coming up to us asking us to baptize them because they mm-hmm. thought we could impart some sort of supernatural ability into them and for me i was just super uncomfortable with that uh as a as an idea um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It gets, it gets so sticky once it's external or you can measure it or name the marks or the, you know, yeah. like it, it, it just get it's really hard to, and then the, uh, the outside pressure of it comes in there. Um, and it's like the difference in an altar call and a mosh pit call is not that different. You use them. The, that's why I think the purpose of music is so bizarre because of how deeply it affects people once you have them in the state where they've given their full self Mm -hmm. to you physically Mm -hmm. and mentally you know like that's part of what's created and that's so powerful when you have that amount of leadership and it's like and and then it's just mosh like this say this get you know that is really really powerful stuff so it's no wonder it gets you know and then other people want some of that or they want to feed into it or get something out of it. And that, that stuff is very confusing. Yeah. It's, it's just confusing. I think that's, that's the best way to to, to say it. And um, you know, I'm not by any means, like, I don't think it's wrong for someone else to do something some way, but at a certain point you want to like, feel like you're doing it the way that you want to do it. Right. Like, but the problem is, is there's five of you. So five people who want to do things their own way, or or do or do things refine it in the way that they feel like is the best for them. Well, the the reality is it's like there's no one way that's going to be the best for five separate people because they're five separate people. Um, and even them is not the same every night. Like, oh, here's yeah. our touring act because it's entertainment, but sure. it's also beyond. Like, did you think it was more like it's obviously more than entertainment? But was it clear to you that it that entertainment is secondary to the actual mission of the band? Yeah. And I think, yeah, for sure. Um, it was, it was, it was a struggle. Like as we started getting on tours with other bands, um, we were super young also, like I was like 18 or 19, um, you know, uh, and, uh, we're getting on these tours and like, you know, Maddie or Mike, our other guitar player at the time, like there was like multiple guys who would start talking during our set about uh, and preaching or whatever. And sometimes we'd go over our set (laughs) times and like, you know, it was this weird thing where it's like, we're not respecting set times. And we had to like, learn that, like, you have to honor the people you're on tour with. Like, even if like you think that this moment or what you have to say is so profoundly important, like there's a context for this, that like we have to honor the stage and the the time that we're given. And, you know, all those things that like, 
I, I kind of look at it like we had these awkward high school teen years, you know, like you look at your yearbook photos and you're like, oh my gosh, what were we doing? We had those as a band that was like doing well. So it's like, I can go on the internet Absolutely. and find videos and be like, Gosh, I can't believe we did that that time. You know, can you be more specific? About, I mean, you used the word cringe earlier. I mean, can you be specific about some things um, that you think were either over a line or embarrassing or wrong or what 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 comes um, to mind? Well, I it's yeah, I can, but it's kind of one of those things where I feel like if they're like not always my learning moments. You know, uh -huh. like sometimes, so like there'd be times where Maddie would say something that like he would say, and then he would feel conviction. Like I didn't say that. Right. So it wasn't like for, for him, he looked back on what he said and cringed. And for me, I would have moments where I would talk to kids and I would give them information. Like they would ask me a question about something and I would give them the answer as I saw it. And I look back at some of the answers that I gave maybe and go like, that's not what I should have told that kid. Like, that's not even right. You know, like you like learn, like you learn as you go, but when you're young and you like are overconfident, you just say things as if they're like solid truth all the time. Um, um, and yeah, uh, you're put in that position. Like they come to you for your confidence that you walk off yeah. stage. just like, this guy knows something. Tell me. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I'm the one that's supposed to tell him. And yeah. Then so, then, <laughs> so then you tell them, but then, you know, five years later you look back and go like, like, yeah, I, I mean, I told him something, but like, <laughs> uh, that's not what I would tell him now, you know, mm -hmm. and that's how it goes. That's just part of it. But, um, but, you know, I think those are the growing pains for all of us is that we're trying to figure out like, what does this look like? Like, who am I one? What does it look like to do this correctly? Like to be a Christian correctly and, um, and how do we like best uh, reach people in a way that is authentic to who we are. And the intersection of all those things is just total chaos when you chaos multiply is the word, by yeah. five. And yeah. uh, so like, you know, like tension and cringe, is, that's not like anyone's one singular thing. It was just like, it's like looking back at your awkward growing up phase, but it was just really, really weird because of how much attention there was on yes. us in that moment yes pressure um, and detention magnifies it and negativity it you know it it, it certainly invited negativity from some people or w would turn people off i saw a, a comment in the label facebook group that was um and it, i thought it was kind of a tough comment in that they were saying i don't even know if it was from a christian or not christian point of view but said that suggested that you may have turned a lot of people off as as well as turn you know gotten people to know the sure. lord and which sure. i mean I'm, I, I'm not that's not my perspective no no but I, well, that's I mean, an interesting point of view and it i mean could that be true like maybe um like may, maybe like but ultimately it's unlike if it's up to us to convince someone of something it's not really a relationship with the lord anyway right like it's if it's like solely depend and i think there is some rest for me when i realize that it's not up to how good we play or how well we preach like it's not like my performance is uh paramount and, and then like only if i do well enough will can the lord work and i think there was that pressure like from what he is saying like this idea of like it's all on me and for me yeah. theologically it's not it's not dependent on me like it's an honor to partner with and be a part of the story but my performance is 
so far down the list of what matters. Like, in fact, like back to what I was saying, I said things that make me cringe and were wrong that ended up being like the, where that person ended up was good. Um, and hopefully they unlearned whatever bad piece of information I taught them, wow. but like ultimately it set them on a path and it wasn't because of me, it was in spite of me. And I think, I think that's, uh, that's the, the, I think the, the real important thing that we started learning is it's not like, like good things aren't happening because of us. It's they're happening alongside of us and sometimes in spite of us. Right. The things um, that you're saying that I'm loving hearing are, it keeps coming up as change and learning, you know, over, over time there that it's that, and that it's staying true. Cause it's certainly a burden and I'm sure there's times where you're feeling as I have this burden to play good, make sure we preach good, that the results are X, Y, and Z. And it's, yeah. and it's, and it is on your shoulders in the sense that it is not on anybody else's, how, how your career goes or what, you know, what it is, but you were able to keep going past that and maintain, um, you know, at least it sounds like the, the only thing you can hang on to that really matters is the authenticity. That's the quality to me that matters because once people start feeling that burden of that, one of the main things they can do is then let go of the authenticity to manage the outcomes. And yeah. that's where everything gets really crazy. That's what I, that's what I fault people for in the end is then sure. managing their image. And they do it because they think this is have the responsibility or the burden to not be making mistakes. Sure. Because the stakes are so high. You can't make mistakes with people's souls or whatever. But uh, of course you can if you're really going for it. If you're really trying to do something, you're going to be making huge mistakes. And if you're preaching sure. and playing yeah. music that's beyond what's already there, if you're do, pushing boundaries – and intend to grow, you're going to have to make a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. So you can't yeah. then hide them and hide them from yourself. That's that, that's the thing that absolutely that you have yeah. to fault people for in the end. Versus well, that was a way, that was a way more succinct way of saying what I, what I was trying to say. Uh, that, that's that's that, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's very much like we were imperfect people trying our best to like, to do what we thought was like the best way of like being authentically, uh, loud Christians trying to bring a message to people. And we made a lot of, we did a lot of things that were awesome. And I'm very, very proud of like what the legacy of the band was. I'm glad I'm super, we let, we ended it on the right note. We, it was, I, I don't have regrets about what it was. There was moments where I look back at myself or I look back at just like the, the process and go, there's, there's some like uncomfortable learning moments, but um, but ultimately like that's life. Like that's what we, that's, that's how we all end up anywhere worth being is by like, not, uh, is by learning as you go. Well, how, 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 and why did it have to end though? Yeah. Um, I think part of it was, uh, well, for, firstly, Maddie has had, I think at the time, uh, two, maybe three kids at the time. Um, and, uh, it was uh it was growing increasingly difficult for him to leave home with uh young kids that were you know old enough to articulate that they didn't like it when he was gone mm -hmm. um so i think that was uh uh that was hard for him so i think that for that was kind of where it started and i think for him he had this desire 
to be a, a, a pastor, which is what he's doing now. Um, so I think for him, he was kind of like careful to, to say, hey, guys, like, I think this is going to be the last year I, I'm doing this band at the beginning of 2016. And uh you guys are welcome to continue doing this without me. It's not like, I'm not saying you have to be done, but I think I need to be done. Uh, and from that point, we were all kind of able to look inward and be like, all right, you know, well, we, how do we like, do we want to try to like, Maddie's the mouthpiece. He always was. He's very like, that was his gifting. And it was not like all, like it was, it wasn't mine. It never was. Um, so we just kind of felt like, you know what, there's a legacy here that we can end on a high note and end well. Like when we see so many of these Christian bands that like, don't like you, 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 you stay around so long. And then like, you know, half the people like, you know, hate each other or don't like the, don't, don't like, you know, are adamantly against everything you're, you've been about or whatever. We didn't want that to happen. We wanted to like this to be <laughs> like a thing. Constructed Christian band yeah, that hates each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't want Like we wanted to be able to like end it well um, and end it as friends and end it like, you know, supporting each other and all that. So it was kind of always, we had toured with a lot of bands on the other side of their career, Christian and non-Christian alike mm -hmm. bands that were like just bitter and angry that like they used to be a lot bigger than they are now. And then like, we would be the opening band. Like we did a several tours in a row where it would be like, you know, 75% walkouts after we play or more. And like, and then that band would grow to hate us <laughs> because yeah. we yeah. were like the cause of their uh, downfall or something in their own minds or whatever. Um, So we didn't want to end up in that spot, like where, where like the trends move, the what's popular moves. You're just not the flavor. You're not cool anymore or whatever. And then you're just like kind of a shell of yourselves. And it's, 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 I imagine it's really hard to not get bitter um, uh, or frustrated or whatever. But uh, so we saw all of those things and they kind of, that was kind of an, the goal It's like, let's end this well. And uh, so when, when Maddie said he felt like it was the time for him, we kind of went more into like, how do we finish strong? Uh, and, uh, and so, so that, that's what we did. We basically toured like the entire year and like did like a farewell world tour and uh, it was great. Um, but yeah, that was, then we were able to, you know, everyone is able to go do the things that they're, you know, that they're passionate about and, you know, everyone's done really well with that. And, you know, I don't think that there's a, I don't think that there's a road that goes backwards for us. I think we're all just on on the roads we're on. It feels that, you know, all the way from back from the early days of connecting with talented people, making connections, being authentic, having good reputations, doing outside collaborations. That's all healthy, um, refining each other, having a balance of power. Those are some of the themes that seem, you know, were present in your, your culture, just from what I am able to observe and from talking to you just today. So I don't really know, but um, those themes kind of come up there um, and then, you know, going and do it doing other stuff um david puckett is uh, somebody in my mind who's just who's been through and played with you guys um and is just a fascinating very special person can you tell me what's special about him because when i meet i don't know him well but just sure. when i interact with the very first time i interact with him on a zoom call and a few things i'm just like oh my gosh this guy <laughs> is so clear of a thinker and present or whatever it is, there's something yeah. special about, about, about him. So I'm curious, yeah. you, you know him. So tell me what, sure. make, what makes him, what has given me that feeling about that well, guy? Yeah. Well, David is definitely smart. 
Like that's like, that's part of it. Like he's a smart guy. He, uh, he makes a lot of like, he's very disciplined in the way that he approaches learning and the way he approaches his, like uh, his schedule and his structures. And he, he likes to build things and, and he's very system minded. Like, I mean, obviously like what he's doing now for those who don't know is he has a like a, a digital marketing company uh it's called hyperculture where he does a lot of ads and ad ad th- things that are above my level of knowledge but uh where he helps bands and and businesses uh advertise themselves in the digital world um so he's doing that he's super super talented at uh regarding that and uh um you know, he's also passionate about teaching. Um, he has a company called Music Mentors that he started, uh, where it's kind of uh, music lessons and there's like webinars and all sorts of stuff. So he has several businesses and several things. He plays drums and we came as Romans now. He's obviously very talented musically as well. Um, and uh, and he's just, he's always been, even in Fort Today, was, was very like outgoing and he was a very he's a people person he makes connections he keeps up with people and uh you know i think that level of discipline that he has and just like in thoughtfulness is really like been a good thing for him uh as he's gone into you know uh doing some really really big things like working with like the motley crews of the world and That's all these right. bands that are yeah, like he- massive he works with Alicia Keys and Motley Crue, and I, you know, I know some about it because, I, and if there's something about drummers, so I don't know if you have any perspective on drummers, but you and I have aligned roles in our bands for these all-purpose and business and stuff like that. But our drummer's a marketing guy, works for David. Um, these drummers are, they have some kind of way about their mind that <laughs> works different yeah. than than other people's. But David also has these people skills and these this other these other uh, this other types of qualities that he has on top of regular drummer qualities but they're able to do just some amazing things but what is that related to being a drummer or 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 Uh, what else is going on there i don't know i don't know if like limb independence has something to do with like the ability to (laughs) compartmentalize or something uh i I really don't know and uh, and uh you know i think david joined our band after the machine was kind of rolling and he was there for the last you know, I think 2012 on. Um, and uh, honestly, like it, it, I should have in hindsight been able, been more willing to hand him roles than I was uh, because of, because of my like controlling nature. But now I see how much he's doing in it, how well it has benefited. We came as Romans and, and also all these other artists that he's working with Um you know, I think I could have done better with for today just to like, let, let, let him take some, take the ball and run with it in certain areas. And because, you know, he is so talented and so smart. So don't uh, beat yourself up because I would say one mark of healthy systems is first of all, that they last a period of time and don't become unhealthy and people leave them better than they came in. And so I, I would imagine David would say he came in, had a time in this and then was is better for, on the other side of for it. Sure. So that 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 speaks to the system that you had cultivated you know despite the sure. mistakes you may be saying yeah that. yeah and well and i guess also to be clear this is probably something i should have led with at the pot like i am the sort of person who looks for the mistakes and tries to fix them 
And like, that's like what I do. That's what, that's where my brain is. It's like, I, I do that with music. I do that with everything. I walk into a restaurant and I'm saying, I think, Oh, well, this host stand shouldn't be there. And that seems really negative. So when I look back in retrospect, I'm like, I, I could have done this better. Um, and in a, the context of a long form conversation like this, that could be like, man, he like regrets a lot of things. And it's like, well, it's not even like maybe, but I'm like, that's just how my brain works. I just, I'm that's always how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you improve. Um, so, you know, I'm like cognizant as I'm speaking that I'm like, man, I, I feel like I've said more negative things than I intended to for sure. And it's, and I don't intend for it to even be negative. It's just, you know, that's just how I approach everything is like, how can I be a little bit better next time? So, you know, even if there isn't a next time for like a band or something, but like, just, it's just like refining myself by being self-critical. Um, but, but, but you're to right. the end of sustaining your motivation to new and better and more sure. creative things, which it sounds like you're, you're still on the same path. It, you can, and you know, I'm not good at this one, but letting go or ending a thing. I never, I hardly ever end anything. I just keep on going, but to be able yeah. to recognize an end and let go of a thing and continue on and, and do new things. Obviously your head is in producing and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Is there other stuff for you, uh, long-term aims that you have? Um, well, I, my wife and I had triplets recently, so, uh, Congratulations. I'm, I'm wow. thank you. I, I'm trying to, uh, make sure that I don't mess them up and do a good job of, uh, raising functional human beings. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's, uh, it's, you know, that and, uh, working on a, a variety of different types of music and things like that has been, that's, that's pretty much what I am up to these days. And, um, you know, I think we all have our things. My, my brother has a, a screen printing shop uh in cincinnati ohio um he's he worked at like a big commercial spot where they were doing like you know forty thousand piece orders for like jack daniels t-shirts or something and you know and uh so he learned screen printing and he's like super obsessed with it <laughs> really really good at it and uh you know so if anybody needs any uh t-shirts independent print uh print shop is uh the name of his company and uh he's doing that um you know maddie's got a church uh, and, uh, I believe it is, I, I'm not, I just keep spacing everything. Johnsonville, Tennessee, it's called the anchor. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of doing their own things, uh, which is, which is really cool. Um, it's, it's cool to see every, like, I think for so many people in bands, right? Like if you, you look at like the end, like it's never going to come. And it's scary because it's like, what do I do if I, if I'm not the, this guy from this band, who am I? And, uh, right. Right. You know, it's, it's a weird transition for most people, but like, I don't know if you usually just find where you land. Uh, and it's, and, it, and it, sometimes it's just in another band. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's something totally different. Um, but, uh, it doesn't have to be as scary as I think, as I think, uh, it can feel because uncertainty is certainly scary. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that, yeah, absolutely. Is what is the connection to the Holy name group? Any? Oh yeah. Um, so those got Tom, I recorded, uh, the last sleeping giant record. Uh, they did a farewell record with me, um, in 2017. <clears throat> and then Tommy is just a friend of mine, uh, the singer of that band. And, uh, he's decided that he was going to do a new band uh called holy name and they were going to self-record everything 
and send it to me to mix and master. So that's basically my role is I just mixed it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of a learning curve for them because neither of them had ever recorded anything. So it was a lot of, you know, uh, on the mixing side, there was a lot of things that I had to kind of like help them through like all right well you know you have to like set up a microphone this way or like maybe <laughs> you know so it was it was a learning curve for them and hopefully for the next thing they'll we like we can uh like I, I'll, I would like to actually record it uh because you know i would be less painted into corners and stuff uh -huh. of that nature but um uh but yeah i was involved with those guys on on that end um just kind of uh helping them I guess remotely, uh, and then I then I mixed what they had recorded. So I see, I see. It's well, it's experimental sounding to some degree, but it sounds sure. good to me. It's very intriguing, and it's an exciting project. I think it's I'm fascinated in it and curious how it'll play out. And I know they're doing Furnace Fest, mm -hmm. and I, again, I mean, it's I, I I don't know if you were going to rank charismatic frontmen between Maddie and Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're very like it's it's crazy. So like working with working with Tommy and recording him and going through stuff and doing that sort of thing. And also, you know, obviously working with Maddie, like they're super similar in some ways and then like wildly different in What's others. What's the difference? What can you say? Um, so they're both, Tommy is like in his own world. Like he's very like, like he's super joyous and always just like kind of just like, he loves, he loves the hang, like more than anybody, like more than any lead singer. He just would like, you know, he'd be like, oh, I'm losing my voice. We have to stop for the night. And then he'd be like, oh, my friends are going to come pick me up and I'm going to go out. And he'd come back at like 1 a.m. I'm like, bro, your voice is gone. What are you doing? And, you know, he just loves the hang. And Maddie was kind of like, he's, he's more introverted and like he would, uh, um, he was more like, the first guy to go into the van and go to sleep before we leave the venue sometimes, because he was just like, he liked to, he liked his own space. He liked his quiet. And I, and Tommy is just the furthest from that. So I like see. in yeah, terms of helpful. introvert, introvert, extrovert, like uh, that's, that's a, a, a big, uh, a thing there. And there's other ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're both great. And they, they both have like the, gifted orator charismatic like energy oh, no. zeal all those great right. qualities but like just the way that they are privately is just like very different it, which is just kind of a funny thing just very different because like they're both funny but they're funny in different ways it's just i don't know it's it's interesting because i think they get so lumped together uh because of they're both like loud christian singers and <laughs> there's some ways that they that they are similar and then other ways where it's like very different so it but uh but yeah both uh both both great but yeah holy name is holy name's cool i'm i'm excited to see where it goes with it and you know the, like so many of the references and things that they wanted to do you know like the vocals we wanted like it was like more reverb more reverb put it mm -hmm. sound like it's in a like a mm -hmm. cathedral or something and i was just kind of like, like that yeah i was like i don't know if this will work but i don't know that i've ever heard anybody do it so yeah, like it, it's, it gives an experimental feel that is like okay yeah. what am i what is this is this new territory it, it perks it perks my ears up so i like the yeah. mix um i'd Thank love you. to hear you work on it more i'm a fan of your production style Oh, thank you. I'm a fan of your musical compositions and arranging. And, you know, I'm a fan of the way that you have operated your 
microculture. So thank you for spending the time with me uh, today to let me understand a little bit how all those things work. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Excellent. It's the blind leading the blind.